0: The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, with Sir John Gielgud as Sherlock Holmes and Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson. The National Broadcasting Company presents Mortal stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, transcribed and dramatized anew with Sir John Gielgud in the title role of Sherlock Holmes and with Sir Ralph Richardson as our storyteller, Dr. James Watson. My name is Watson, Dr. John H. Watson. It may be familiar to you through my association over many years with one of the most remarkable men I believe the world has ever known, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. I want to tell you about what you take. What a moment to choose. It's too bad. Quick then, behind the curtain. Can't have been in bed after all. Must have been waiting in the hall for someone. Watson, are you all right? Yes, I think so. Rather a tight fit. Well, there's a gap here I can just see through. Someone's coming upstairs getting an oil lamp. Ah, it's Milverton, all right. There's a woman with him. Failed. Shh, they're coming in. Well, miss, you decided to come then. Half an hour late. I couldn't manage any earlier. My mistress kept me. Well, if she's a hard mistress, you have your chance to get even with her. You tell me in your note that you've managed to get hold of some letters which compromise the Countess d'Albert. Yes, I have. You want to sell them and I want to buy them. So far, so good. I can use them in my business. Now, as to price... The price, Mr. Milverton, for everything, is your life. What do you mean, girl? Look at me. She's lifting her veil, Holmes. That's no lady's maid. Great heavens! Is it you? Yes, it's I, Charles Milverton. And don't you dare to speak my name. You've fouled it enough. You've ruined me the way you've ruined so many others. You should have found the money in time. And because I couldn't, because I begged you for two days' grace, you sent those letters you had to my husband. And he died. And you know how he died. You're the finest man in the world. And the letters were false. You changed the dates on them. They were written before I met him. Keep back from it. Uh, put that pistol down. No, not till I've used it. You'll break no more hearts, Charles Milverton, as you've broken mine. You hound. You filthy hound. Ooh. Great heavens, Holmes. Quiet man, he's done for. And she's got away, thank heaven. Who was that woman, Holmes? Surely you know that face, Watson. Not but that's yourself. never, never mention names, Watson. Now's our chance if we're quick. What are you doing, ma'am? Safe, Watson, the papers in the safe. To save our own clan and who knows how many more besides. Quick, put that bundle in your pocket, Watson. Yes, yes. give the rest to me. Hurry. Someone must have heard the shots. Listen. There are people coming. Out of the window, quickly, Watson. <laughs> In a moment, we continue this week's story in The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. So we escaped, down a convenient drain pipe, over two garden walls, and luckily found an empty hansom at the bottom of the road. And reached Baker Street at last, and safety. Huh our adventure was over, or almost over. As I lay tossing sleeplessly in bed that night, I found myself more than ever intrigued by the personality of my strange companion. I recollected our first meeting only a few months before. I'd just come back from medical service abroad and was moping miserably about this old London of ours of handsome cabs and fog and gaslight Doing simply nothing at all, and then standing at a Piccadilly bar one day. Hello there, Watson. Remember me? Ah. Uh, what? Why? Yes. Stamford, young Stamford. Used to be a dresser under you, and you were a medical student at Barts. Remember? Of course I remember. Confound it, It's a pleasure to see a friendly face, Stamford. London's a very deuce for a lonely man. Oh, What on earth have you been doing with yourself, Watson? You're as thin as a lark and brown as a nut. Oh, Afghanistan, you know. Uh, the campaign out there. Army surgeon. I say, have a drink, will you? Thanks. I don't mind. Uh, stout, I think. I got wounded pretty badly. At my wand. Confounded nuisance. Subclavian artery. Uh, two glasses of stout, please. It will eat it up, then, eh? And uh, what are you doing with yourself now? Nothing, nothing. Trying to solve the problem of finding comfortable rooms on an army pension. Eleven and six a day. <laughs> well, here's your health, Stamford. Yours, Watson. Here's to old time. Strange you should say that, you know. Say what? About looking for rooms. You're the second man today who said it to me. And who was the first? Oh, some fellow was working in the chemical lab up at the hospital. A fellow called Holmes. He wouldn't like to go halves, I suppose. Exactly what he was saying. Looking for someone to share with him, you know. I'm the very man, then. What's his other name? Sherringford, uh, is it? Uh, no, 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 no. Sherlock. Do it for something queer. Sherlock Holmes. What's he do? deuced oh, if I know He's got a whole store of out of the way knowledge that would astonish the professors. Uh, and he's a first class chemist. Said so he's going in for something quite special. I say, Watson. Huh? Let's go along to the lab and meet him. He's bound to be there. Uh, let's have lunch somewhere and, and then go on, shall we? Excellent. I only hope it comes to something. I must confess, he sounds quite interesting. To be there. Uh, mind you, Watson, you mustn't blame me if you don't get on with the fellow. He's pretty queer in his ideas. How do you mean? Well, I actually came on in the other day beating the subject in the dissecting room with a stick. What on earth, for? Said he wanted to find out how far bruises could be produced after death. Uh, through here now. <coughs> Gruesome tastes, eh? Still. Ah, there he is. The tall fellow behind all the test tubes and retorts. I told you he'd be working. I say, Holmes! Stanford? Eureka Stanford, I've just found it. You found what, Holmes? A reagent which is precipitated by hemoglobin and by nothing else in all the world. Indeed. Well, I want you to meet Dr. Watson, Holmes. Watson, this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes. How are you, Doctor? From Afghanistan, I perceive. What? How on earth did you know that? <laughs> Never mind. The question now is about hemoglobin. No doubt you see the significance of this discovery of mine. Ah, oh, it's probably interesting enough chemically, but from the practical point of view... My oh, dear I... fellow, it's the most practical medico legal discovery for years. Don't you see that it gives us an infallible test for blood stains? Indeed? Yes. Criminal cases are always hinging on this kind of thing. A man suspected of a crime long after it's committed, let's say, and his linen turns out to have brownish stains on it. Yes, but are they blood or mud or rust stains or fruit stains or what? Now we have the Sherlock Holmes test, Dr. Watson, so there can be no more difficulty. Ah, I say you are to be congratulated, Mr. Holmes. Of course I am. There was the case of Von Bischoff at Frankfurt last year, and, and Mason of Bedford and Sampson of New Orleans. I could name a score of cases where the thing would have been decisive. By Jove, you're a regular walking calendar of crime, Holmes. Huh? Well, why not, eh? What could be more fascinating... Uh, have you a taste for that matter's by any chance, Doctor? Oh, well, I confess it's been a little beyond my range. Oh, You'll get it, sir. You will, I assure you. The thing grips you like a drug. Uh, Holmes, I wanted you two to meet because Watson's on the lookout for someone to share diggings with him. Oh, the same as you are. Capital Doctor, you look the very man for me. I've had my eye on a suite in Baker Street. Number 221B. Uh, Mrs. Hudson is the landlady's name. Uh, you don't mind the smell of strong tobacco, I hope. I always smoke ships myself. <laughs> That's good enough, then. Oh, and I generally have a few chemicals about and carry out experiments like this one. That wouldn't annoy you. By no means. Well, then let me see. What are my other shortcomings? Oh, I get down in the dumps sometimes and don't open my mouth for days on end. And, um, oh, I have a fancy for revolver practice indoors. So long as I can rely on your aim. Infallible, I assure you. Now, uh, what have you to confess? Eh? (laughs) Oh, well, I get up at all sorts of ungodly hours and I'm very lazy. I... (laughs) I don't like too much row, but but oh, but I'll put up with the revolver shot. Good. I've got another set of vices when I'm well, but these are the principal ones for the present. Then that's all right. Thank you, Stamford. I'm very much obliged to you. Well, shall we go together, Dr. Watson, and look at the rooms tomorrow? Uh, say at noon? At noon, mm-hmm. home. It'll suit admirably. Oh, one other little thing the violin. You don't include violin playing in your category of rouse. It depends on the player, my dear Holmes. If it's badly played... Ah, that's something I shall have to leave you to judge for yourself, my dear fellow. And I shall have pleasure in testing your ear with a few of my own little compositions. Then you'll be able to judge my modest capabilities. Till tomorrow, then, my dear Dr. Watson. Till tomorrow. (laughs) took those rooms together and settled down quite amicably. As the weeks went by, my interest in my companion intensified. I studied his sharp, piercing eyes, his thin, hawk-like face, and I wondered time and again what he did for a living so as to pay his share of our humble reckoning. He was out at all sorts of strange hours, and when he was at home, curious visitors were always calling on him. And then he would ask if he might have our sitting room to himself. It was a thin, sallow, dark-eyed fellow called Lestrade, for instance, who came three or four nights in one week. Once, a fashionably dressed young girl waited on him. At another time, he was a railway porter in his velveteen uniform. The thing puzzled me until, at last, one day... You wonder what I do for a living, Watson, eh? I've seen you looking quizzically once or twice (laughs) at these visiting clients of mine. Clients? Yes. Yes. Oh, just pass me over the Persian slipper, will you, my dear fellow? I always keep the tobacco in it. Thank you. The fact is, I'm a professional thinker, Doctor. A thinker? Certainly. I piece things together, you see. Just as a logician could infer the possibility of an Atlantic or a Niagara from a single drop of water without having seen or heard of either of them, so I build rare edifices of deduction from the observation of a few simple facts. Oh, 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 come home. No, it's the truth, I assure you. If you're looking round for a cigar, by the way, my dear chap, you'll find them in the coal scuttle. (laughs) Yes, yes, i have a trade all my own, Watson. The only one in the whole world. I'm a consulting detective. (laughs) Oh. That's London, full of detectives. Oh, oh, lots of government ones and plenty of private ones, but none like me. I've built up quite a special little connection, Watson. And when any of these other fellows are at loss, they generally come to me to put them right. Not just, just by thinking about things, I suppose. Exactly. I've a term for observation and deduction as you must have noticed. <laughs> that first time we met, for instance, when I mentioned to your surprise that you'd just come from Afghanistan. Oh, you were told about it, no doubt. Nothing of the sort, Watson. I just knew. It's second nature to me. My train of thought ran something like this. Here's a fellow who's a doctor, but with the air of a military man, uh, clearly an army surgeon then. Just come from the tropics, but his face is dark, but that isn't his natural color, For his wrists are fair. His arm is stiff. He's been wounded. Where in the tropics could an English army doctor have been wounded lately? And the obvious answer was in the Afghan campaign, probably the battle of Maiwand. <laughs> it's simple enough when you explain it. I confess I was taken aback a bit at the time. <laughs> and do you mean to say that you apply these principles to the detection of crime? Of course I do. That fellow Lestrade you were asking me about the other day, for instance, he's a Scotland Yard man, one of the best. But he got himself into a fog over a forgery case recently and came to me to ask my advice on the evidence he had. I solved it for him on the spot. Upon my life, you astonished me, Holmes. I had no idea that that was what you were up to. What what gave you the notion? Oh, natural talent, I suppose. When I was still at college, a small thing happened to come my way, which enabled me to solve a curious crime. I decided that I had a taste for such matters, and so here I am now, a professional investigator. That's the kind of thing I deal with in this life of mine, Watson. That, and of course, my music. Professional investigator of crime. Even when you talked about it so much at the hospital that time we met. Well, one really must do something to keep oneself from boredom. You may find yourself mixed up in it one of these fine days, you know. You never know, Watson. You never know. And I was, of course, you know that now, with the Milverton exploit, as I've related it, as the first real adventure of them all in which I felt myself truly involved. It ended rather oddly, that burglary episode of ours. The very morning after it, after my sleepless night, there came in the little man I'd so often seen before. Lestrade, the good Lestrade of Scotland Yard. Good morning, my dear Lestrade. Good morning, Mr. Holmes. I was wondering... Oh, this is Dr. Watson, by the way. He was asking all about you the other day. How do you do, doctor? Any friend of Mr. Holmes' is is a friend of mine. Delighted to meet you, Inspector. Well, sit down, won't you, and share a pipe with us? Too much of a hurry, I'm afraid. I just wanted to ask if you had anything particular on hand, Mr. Holmes. Oh, I don't think so, nothing much. A little matter down at the docks involving a giant rat... From Sumatra. you can to leave the rats look after themselves, Mr. Holmes. There's been murder done up at Hampstead. Wanted you to look into it for us. Queer business. Oh, really? Who's been murdered? fellow called Milverton. Indeed. I believe I've heard the name. Holmes. Holmes. Not feeling dicky, are you, Watson? Any details, Lestrade? Well, no. Uh, we know who did it, of course. You know? Good heavens. Couple of them, Doctor. Nearly got em they did. Those a you and cried, you see. They got away worse, luck like, where they were seen. How interesting. And what are they supposed to look like? first one, very tall. I a fellow, middle-sized, thick-necked man with a moustache. Moustache Watson. They both had masks over their eyes. Oh, calmly straight, that's rather vague, isn't it? On my soul, it might even be a description of Watson and me. Eh, hey, Watson? It might, indeed. <laughs> you're right, Mr. Holmes, you're perfectly right. By Jove, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, will you handle it? I'm afraid not, Lestrade. Not this time. I know something of this fellow, Milverton. He was a rogue and a blackmailer. There are certain crimes that the law can't punish adequately, my dear fellow. And in this instance, my sympathies are with the criminals, Lestrade. I will not handle the case. Mm, Well, if you won't, you won't. I'll get the fellows all right in time, I dare say. Will you, Lestrade? I do hope you may. Pass me my violin as you go out there as a good fellow. I feel deuced lazy this morning. Had rather a strenuous night. Pleasure, Mr. Holmes. Well, good morning, Doctor. See you again, I dare say. Always in and out of Baker Street, you know. Good morning, Inspector. Morning, Mr. Holmes. Good morning. Best of luck, Lestrade. Oh. <laughs> well, another five minutes like that, Holmes, I'll take myself back to Afghanistan. Oh, no, you won't, Watson. You'll grow to love it, too. This is only the beginning, my dear fellow. Only the beginning. Broadcasting Company has just presented The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes based on the original stories by Sir